None of what you're about to hear is inspired by a true story. It is a true story. My name is Reed Domingo, and I robbed 12 banks in San Diego, California. I didn't hurt anyone. I never wanted to. I did it all for love and to pay for the devastating debts racked up from the costs of IVF needed for my wife and I to start a family. Let me tell you about how I reached such a point in my life, the wonderful things that happened to me before, during, and after the robberies, and how I found redemption by helping others during my time in prison. So here then, in my own words and in my own voice, is my story. It was the end of February. I planned to do another robbery that day when Patrice rang me. Hey, sweetie, don't forget you have to pick up Tommy from daycare. Excuse me, ma'am. Would you mind just keeping an eye on my daughter while I just pop into the bank? Oh, sure. No problem. Isn't it adorable when they can't wake up after a car ride? It was that time again. The month was coming to an end, and all those bills were due. I tried to get into a routine now of just paying the essentials. Pretty much those bills that won't result in things being turned off. With Patrice's health declining, I'd made an agreement with her that I would take over the responsibility of running the house. For me, I just wanted Patrice to focus on herself. Starting at the top, I took out those bills that I thought we could pay, wrote out a check, put it in the envelope, and put it to the side. Once I was done, I thought, OK, let's do a bank requisition. Let's see where we're at. With that complete, I did not feel well. In essence, we're going to be about 10K short. <sighs> I got to raise some money. What about that new credit card I saw? I think what was also weird when you call a credit card company to try and raise some funds, they're so welcoming and so, oh, of course, what are you looking for? 10,000? Oh, perfect, not a problem. Let's look into that. Very encouraging until they run your credit. Thereafter, they pretty much can't get you off the phone soon enough. I suppose that new credit card doesn't have my name on it. We'd max things out with the bank. By this time, we'd already had a second, if not even a third, on our house. There was no money coming out of the bank. I was getting the same response from everyone. Not a single lender was prepared to help me. But things were getting desperate. We were in debt to the tune of $250,000. Still, that doesn't change my situation. I needed to find $10,000 in 72 hours. I sat back in my chair, looking at my desk, all of these checks that I'm about to send out. What are they sitting on? Oh, my training manual. <laughs> you know what I need to do? I need to rob a bank. <laughs> what started out as just a flippant joke, I suddenly started to think about it. Could you do it? 
Could you rob a bank? Oh, don't be stupid. You can't rob a bank. But you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is ask for the money. That point had been made explicitly clear to me earlier. All you have to do is ask. Can I do this myself? When I've seen bank robbers on the television, there's always been an accomplice. But the manual just said, all they have to do is ask. If they communicate to you that they want the money, you are obligated to give it to them. That's it. You know what? I have no choice. What else am I going to do? I'm going to rob a bank tomorrow. I woke up to another gorgeous sunny day in Southern California. A new day, and now a new me. I'm going to rob a bank. Being a solo operator, I knew I had to create some sort of misdirection at the bank, both to prevent being pursued and especially being identified. I was going to be a motorcycle guy. I was going to carry a helmet into the bank, and when I left, they would all believe that I was getting on a motorcycle. I went into the garage, and I surveyed all of the helmets that were there. Most of them were for my racing days, but a couple of them were Patrice's. One in particular I really liked. It had multiple flags all over it. It was a commemorative helmet dedicated to a hot rider at the time. Those days had passed, so I don't think it would have been that specific. But the most important factor for me was that all of my race helmets had my name emblazoned across the back. Consider it a little bit egotistical, but I like people to know who had just passed them. I was about to leave, but there was one final thing that I needed to get. My 45 semi-automatic. But I thought you didn't need a gun to rob a bank. You don't. But the way I felt at that time, I knew if this went wrong, I really didn't want to live. Even more so, I didn't want to go to prison. So I knew, if things went bad, you need to take care of this. I racked around into the chamber of the 45 and dropped out the magazine. I replaced that last bullet and slid the magazine back in. I now knew I had eight shots. If things went bad and I came out of the bank and the police were there waiting for me, then I'd rather have death by cop. All I had to do was count to seven every time I fired a round. Once I'd shot seven rounds, I knew that left one for me. They weren't going to take me alive. I was going to kill myself. So now I gathered all of my props. I had a pair of jeans, a sweatshirt, a black baseball cap, some reflective sunglasses, the helmet, a pair of gloves, and my 45 semi-automatic. With everything loaded into the truck, it was time to head off to work. Even now, it's hard to believe that on that fateful morning, I really had such a casual attitude towards it. I think it was some sort of self-preservation. If I'd stopped for one second to think about what I was doing, I'd like to believe I would have had the common sense to stop. 
I had to just keep moving, not stop. As I got to work early, there was nobody there. I got my usual spot, and I entered the building. I actually did some programming in the morning. It was nine o'clock. I knew, okay, let's leave here at 9.30. I actually started to think about what I would do when I get into the bank. There was one glaring factor that I hadn't referenced. Even though the manual made it clear that all I needed to do was ask for the money, I was also acutely aware that I had a very strong British accent. To negate that, I decided to write a note. With less than 20 minutes to go, these were the words that I put on the note. Stay calm. We are not joking. Follow these instructions and everything is okay. Put $10,000 into the bag. Use hundreds, fifties and twenties. The next four lines were each underlined. No fake money. No die packs. No alarms. No tricks. Stay calm. Do it now. Once completed, I printed it out, cut it accordingly, and then deleted every keystroke from the system. Although this was the time a lot of other people were coming to work, I just announced, hey, I'm off to lunch. Hey, no problem, Reed. It was very casual, and off I went. I chose a very specific bank, one that I'd used many times before when I first arrived in San Diego. Obviously, you don't crap where you eat, so this bank was obviously one of our competitors. The location of the bank is what really suited me. The building was located with about 10 other businesses in a nice woody area of Scripps Ranch, San Diego. The biggest factor for me, though, was that within five minutes of this bank, you would come to an intersection of three very busy freeways. It was the perfect location for me. Once I got into my truck, I just drove about two or three blocks from the bank and decided to change. I changed out of my shirt, tie, and slacks into my jeans and sweatshirt. The target bank was only about 10 minutes away from my work. When I was about three blocks away from the bank, I pulled down the hill and parked to the right. I specifically remember as I was driving towards the bank, there was a song playing on the radio. I would come to hear this song quite often. It ended up becoming my bank robbery tune. Sitting there, I questioned myself one last time. Are you really going to do this? Then a voice said to me, well, what's the alternative? We're done. I took my 45 off the seat and slipped it into the waistband of my jeans, covered it with my sweatshirt, and then put on my baseball cap. The reflective sunglasses were perfect. You couldn't see where I was looking. I stepped out of the truck and started walking up the hill towards the strip mall. Coming round the corner, I could see the entrance of the bank. It was about 9.45 in the morning. The bank had recently opened, and it was pretty quiet. My heart was pounding. As I came to the bank doors, I could hear nothing except the beating of my heart. 
Inside the bank, it was empty, brightly lit, and in the far corner, I saw that they had a security guard. He was an old-timer. Physically, he looked just like Stan Lee. Most importantly for me, I didn't see that he was wearing a gun. I paused briefly at the counter, pretending as if I was filling out a deposit slip. It just gave me a little bit more time to scope out the bank and see what I was dealing with. There was just one teller working at that time. She was a young woman, probably in her mid to late twenties. Brunette hair and wearing a blue, floral summer dress. You could tell this was banking from a different era. There were no bars, no screens, nothing to prevent open exchange between customer and bank teller. As I walked up to her little window, she greeted me with a, Good morning, sir. Welcome to Great Western Bank. How may I help you? I smiled, unzipped the bank bag, took out the note, and slid it towards her. Smiling, she picked up the note and started to read it. And as she was reading it, I could see her smile dropping. When she got to the end, she looked up at me, looked back down at the note, and then immediately opened the drawer and started taking out the cash and putting it there right in front of me. Once she was completed, she stepped back slightly and I started putting the money into the bag. As I packed away the last bundle of notes, I distinctly remember her asking me, Would you like some ones? It took me aback. I thought for a second, are you messing with me? I turned right and it was time to leave. As I looked up, there was Stan Lee. He was now standing in front of the door, guarding it. He was looking directly at me. As I walked towards him, I wondered if this was the moment that I was going to have to pull out my gun and everything goes down. Just as I raised my hand, I got within about 10 feet of him. He stepped to the side, opened the door wide, and said to me, Have a nice day, sir. I stepped into the sunshine, and the bank door closed behind me. Do not run! As panicked as I was, I knew that I should not start running. We would all have a tendency to look at somebody if we saw them running in the street. Why are they running? What are they running from? I knew, stay calm. Walk steadily. Even so, I knew my pace had picked up a little bit. And as I walked to the corner of the building and was about to go down towards my truck, I looked back at the bank and there was nothing happening. It was quiet. I reached my truck, threw the helmet, bank bag, and 45 onto the seat, and sat there momentarily. I did it. Don't get smug. You're not out of it yet. I started up the truck and rolled down the hill. Before I knew it, I came to the main thoroughfare that was going to take me to the freeway interchange. As I was going along for nothing more than a minute or so, I looked ahead and here were three police cars coming towards me. Lights flashing, sirens blaring. What are they going to do? Are they going to block me off? I know they're going to do something. But as we got closer, 
Like ships in the night, we just sail past each other. Of course, they're looking for a motorcycle. What screw came loose that you decided to rob a bank? Like, multiple times. Like, how, how did you go from racquetball, motorcycles, dirt bikes, check me out, bro, to bank robbery? I'm a cop. Now, I know you don't owe me any allegiance to follow the law, but how, I couldn't process it. And for 18 years, I had no answers. If I had to come up with three words to describe how I felt about learning that my brother had been arrested, first I would say denial. I don't believe it. The second word I would say is shocked. And then I think the last word I would describe it would be sad. I was very sad that my buddy, this law-abiding, rule-following, principled, morally raised person is going to prison? Prison? With handcuffs, like bars and like lock up real prison or fake prison? No, this is real prison, federal prison. So I would say sadness, shock, and disbelief. A few blocks away from my work, I pulled over and changed back into my shirt, tie, and slacks. That adventure is over. I walked back into the bank, approached my little cubicle, and people asked me, Hey, Reed, good lunch? Yeah, it was fine. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know if it's sort of narcissistic, but for the remainder of my day, I listened to local radio just to see if there was any mention of the bank robbery. There wasn't. At the end of my day, I remember getting in my truck and driving home. Patrice was there to greet me with a smile. How are you, sweetheart? Oh, I'm fine, darling. And there, running into the kitchen, was my little Angelique. I picked her up, and I hugged her so hard. I think Patrice must have wondered, what's up with you? But I was so grateful to be back with my family. Can you give Chummy a bath? Yeah, no problem, sweetheart. I took Chummy into the bathroom, sat her on the counter, and looked at myself in the mirror. Don't you ever do that again, I told myself. I was such a lucky person. But don't push your luck. I'll never do that again. After Chummy's bath, I dried her off, put some clean clothes on her, and put her on the ground. She went toddling off to mommy, and that gave me an opportunity to see what was inside the bag. I'd done it. There was a little over $10,000 in there, so I knew all of those checks were going to be covered. I actually felt wonderful. Had I bought myself my time? Is everything going to work out better from here? I really thought so. I'd gotten away with something really bad, but I knew I'd never do that again. I felt energized. I told Patrice, you know what? Let's go out to dinner tonight. Really? Yeah, 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 no problem. Let's go. We went out to dinner and had a wonderful evening as a family. Things are really looking good for us from here. 
If someone owed you money, would you complain about being paid in cash? Apparently so, if you're paying your mortgage in such a manner. Initially, with the spoils from the bank robberies, I paid for everything in cash. Groceries, dining out, gas, retail purchase, even our utility bills, which were high because of the grove. No one batted an eye. It must have been the fourth time that I was paying the mortgage at our lender's bank that the teller casually asked me if there was a particular reason that I was paying this way. I remember making up some vague reason that we received cash payments for our orange harvests that seemed to satisfy her curiosity. But I realized then that I had to address this situation. Additionally, I knew that depositing large amounts of cash into a bank account on a regular basis could draw attention to oneself. At the time, I had about four separate checking accounts spread over four banking institutions that were all active. I started to deposit $1,000, maybe $1,500 into each of these accounts and then transfer the balances as necessary to cover the mortgage. A specific benefit of working for a bank was that an account was opened up into which my monthly salary was deposited. It was one day when I was making a supplemental deposit into my account at a local branch that something very interesting came to light. As I handed over the cash and accompanying deposit slip, I could see a somewhat puzzled look appearing on the teller's face as she attempted to process the transaction. Do you work for the bank, she asked me. Because other than your name and account number, I can't see any of your balances or account transaction details. They're all asterisked out. Interesting. The answer was rather straightforward. As a matter of privacy, most bank employees, including all tellers, are unable to view other employee bank details. I, however, was afforded higher access privileges due to my programming needs. This benefit allowed me to operate under a cloak of invisibility. I was able to deposit any amount of cash into this account, and it now meant that I could launder the Grove profits much more easily. As very much the invisible man, things were going along smoothly. However, someone who could really see through me was the FBI. But let's not get ahead of ourselves for now. We'll get to that later. That respite I'd enjoyed from all the pressure of the bills was gone. With them mounting up all around me, as much as I didn't want to, I kind of convinced myself that it was okay to rob one last bank. I kept asking him, like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? There's something I'm just feeling. There's something that's distant with you. Is, is there something you want to tell me? And I kept asking him that, but I would... I was thinking, like, um, he doesn't want to be in the relationship anymore, even though it, he didn't give me any feeling of that at all. Uh, very, very supportive. But it was something I like, is there something you want to tell me? Or you want to move back to England? Or, you know, what, what is it? And he's like, no, no. And he'd just kind of be like, no, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. You know, I thought, well, that couldn't be anything. I mean, I know everything that's going on. I mean, okay. But no, I didn't. No, I, I absolutely... Uh, I don't even know what the word would be, gobsmacked or whatever. I mean, it was just like, no idea.
As I stepped into the August sunlight, I again told myself not to run. There was someone on my left using an ATM, but they didn't notice me as I passed behind them. Then they turned to their left and went into the bank. I just about got to the corner of the building and was about to head in a diagonal direction towards my truck when I heard a strange pop sound coming from the bag. I looked down and started to see a dark cloud of red smoke billowing from the zipper scene. Not knowing what the hell was happening, I tossed the bag like a frisbee underneath a parked car and looked around to see if anyone had witnessed this pyrotechnic display. I continued to walk towards my truck and quickly reached it in a state of panic, fear and relief. I was nervously sweating and wiped my brow while taking off the hat and removing my sunglasses. I quickly started the engine and drove towards an exit. I noticed that the red smoke had stopped erupting from the bag, so I pulled up alongside that parked car, jumped out and quickly retrieved it, throwing it into the footwell of the truck. As I pulled onto the main road, I again wiped some sweat from my forehead and headed towards a freeway ramp. I looked behind me and didn't see anyone apparently following me. Damn, that was close. But I think I got away. All of a sudden, my face exploded with an excruciating burning sensation and my right eye felt like it had been doused in battery acid. I immediately realized that it had been a dye pack in the money and along with the red smoke was also some kind of pepper spray. With my face on fire and only one functioning eye, I managed to drive back to the vicinity of my bank. Parking off street, a safe distance from the building, I jumped out and quickly changed back into my shirt and slacks. I put my tie in my pocket and drove back into my bank's parking lot. I left everything underneath the front seats. Upon entering the building, I immediately went to the restroom to rinse my face, which was melting like dark man. Luckily, the restroom was empty and the cold water was a welcome relief, but it took several rinses to finally have an effect on the capsaicin lava in my eye. Eventually, I was able to return to my cubicle. Hey Reed, good lunch? Whoa, what happened to your eye? Oh, it's nothing, it's just allergies, you know, that time of the year. Nothing to worry about, you know, nothing major. Now at three o'clock in the afternoon, I realize, oh, don't forget, you've got to pick up Chummy on the way home. When I get in the car, I open the bank bag gingerly. I look inside. A bomb has gone off in there. There is red dye everywhere. I can't even count the money. I can't even look at the money. I don't want to touch the money. I zip the bag back up and slide it underneath the seat. I drive up towards the 15 freeway, which I need to take to go to where Chummy's daycare is. This is it. If this is the way it's going to go down, now's the time. I need to have the element of surprise. I decided I'm going to pull into this driveway, and as the police come in behind me, this is where I'm going to jump out and take care of it. I need to have that element of surprise. I pull into the driveway, I put my hand on the handle, I look over my shoulder to see the police cars pulling behind me. I grab my 45 with my right hand and go to open the door with my left. As I look in the rearview mirror,
the two police cars just keep on driving. I release my hand from the door. I take a breath. Holy shit. Well, maybe they weren't looking for me. I actually had a chuckle. <laughs> wow. That's what was happening? I look over to Chummy. She's fast asleep. As I raise my eyes and look out of the windscreen, I realize there's a hardware store in front of me. With that, my light bulb moment is, you know what? You need to go into the hardware store and get something. I drive up to the hardware store, crack the window slightly, jump out, leave Chummy sleeping in the car. I go into the hardware store, go to the domestic section, and I pick up some color catchers. Once home, I woke Chummy up and placed it in her high chair in front of her favorite cartoon DVD while I got her dinner together. After I set her food on her tray, I went into the garage to closely examine the contents of the bag. As I'd seen earlier, most of the money was a deep red color. Some notes were even burnt in sections. It was now that I was able to properly look at the stack of 20s that I made the teller put into the bag. It was, in fact, a stack of 100 real $20 bills that had been glued together to form a solid block with a two-inch square by one-inch deep section cut out of the center. Inside that cavity was fitted a small electronic device that had a circuit board and a small canister. By pressing on the stack of 20s, the teller activated a timer that went off after approximately 30 seconds at which point the canister released its contents of red dye and pepper spray. Now I know why the teller had initially avoided putting the stack into the bag, because my note specifically stated, no dye packs. Be careful what you ask for. At the hardware store, I picked up an item from the laundry section. It was a box of fabric sheets, that stated they could be used to remove colored dye that had bled or leaked onto clothes. I tipped all of the money into the washing machine and put six whole sheets in with them. At the end of the cycle, I looked at the notes and there wasn't that much difference from before. So I decided to try more old fashioned techniques and just poured a ton of bleach in with them and sent it through another wash. This time, the money had gone from a red color to a light shade of pink. I guess that would be about as good as it got. So rather than put the notes in the dryer and run the risk of them getting burned, I went into the loft above the garage, tacked up a couple of lines of string, and using paper clips, attached all of the notes along the length. I then put a small fan on to circulate the air. By the next morning, I had lots of pink notes, but I now had to concoct a plausible story in order to pass them on. My most believable story was that I had inadvertently had the money in some red shorts when I went swimming, accidentally dyeing them. Churching! I was now not only a serial bank robber, but also a semi-successful money launderer. Listen up, people! We're gonna make one last push for this motorcycle bandit as resources are being diverted to hunting down Bin Laden. Get this photo around to all of the banks in San Diego 
and make sure they put it up clearly with our contact details. I got a feeling there's more to come from this guy.